Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. All right, great. Thanks, everyone. Um, So welcome, 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 welcome. We're very excited for uh, today's event. My name is Nelson Abbott. I am the Senior Director for Advanced Program Operations at NPower. Uh, Before we get started, a little bit about us. We, NPower is a workforce development organization, and we help underserved and military-connected communities move from poverty to prosperity by connecting them to technology careers, and that includes infrastructure, cloud computing, and as we're here to talk about today, cybersecurity. We're going to be discussing the talent gap in the cybersecurity space and share some ideas on how you can help close that gap. So without further ado, let's get started. To set up the further to set up the panel discussion, let's start looking at some data. As you can see here, organizations are struggling to not only recruit cyber talent, but to retain it as well. Very significant, over half of each. The result is what we're here to talk about. Over 660,000 open cybersecurity jobs, according to CyberSeq. This also creates additional risk that leaves organizations open to cyber attacks. So it's really a dire issue that needs to be addressed. We're gonna talk about some of the challenges that we are seeing through our work here at NPower and offer some suggestions that folks can start implementing right away after this, after this webinar. First up, let's talk about the challenges as we see here that cyber leaders have in finding and finding certified and qualified talent. Um, really, is, it's, it's right there in the numbers. Ironically, those same leaders, 90%, are willing to pay for training. Now, this is training that can lead to those desired certifications that people are looking for. Technology is always changing, so certifications that you hire for today may not be relevant tomorrow. Our recommendation, instead of hiring ready-made talent that can be costly, consider hiring for adaptability, critical thinking, and competency. Next, facilitate better coordination between the hiring managers and the talent acquisition teams, making sure that job descriptions accurately reflect the duties of the job and the desired competencies. Then make sure that your interview process is updated to reflect those competency-based assessments and the different types of experience and transferable skills that many candidates bring to the table. A phrase I hear often from cyber professionals is, we want diversity of thought. Well, in order to get that diversity of thought, you have to hire diverse candidates. However, as we show here, there is a lot of challenges with hiring women, minorities, and veterans. And these challenges then translate into a not very diverse cyber workforce. As you can see here, these is, this is the makeup of the cybersecurity workforce as, uh, as of right now. Um, these are deep talent pools that are just not being tapped into. So an additional roadblock is the college degree requirement. Based on research from Opportunity at Work, this has a huge impact on Black and Latino candidates, essentially writing off two significant populations. So here are some suggestions that people can walk away with today. First is to start working with organizations like NPower that have pipelines of diverse certified talent. Next, an obvious one, remove those college degree requirements from entry and early career level roles, which will expand your candidate pools. Finally, review your job descriptions and remove any kind of language biases that may discourage diverse candidates from applying. And there are some resources that you can leverage to help you. 
NPower has worked with the Modernized Talent Management Group at NICE, and we developed a toolkit for creating better job descriptions. And that toolkit is available right now, and we're happy to share a link to that um, after the webinar today. Lastly, let's look at the retention piece. According to one poll, almost a third of cyber professionals are planning to leave the field altogether. And here you can see some of the reasons that they cite. These all tie back into what I've been talking about so far, training and diversity. The limited support for development of skills and lack of career pathways coupled with unfriendliness to women and certain ethnic groups really does have an impact on retention and diversity. And some additional insights is that while there are a lot of organizations that have diversity goals, 83% here, only 17% of global leaders are compensated on those outcomes. So a real big disparity there. As has been said many times before, what gets measured gets managed. But if these, if these initiatives are not being measured, then what we end up with are diversity programs in name only. And the trend of revolving door diversity executives that we've been seeing over the past several years will only continue. If organizations don't provide growth opportunities and make all people feel that they belong, we will continue to see people leave the cyber field. So here are some ideas that people can start implementing right away. One, create those opportunities for professional development and upward mobility. When someone is onboarded to an entry level role and they see that there is a career pathway, they will feel there is a home for them at your organization. Second, upskill incumbent workers and backfill those entry level roles with diverse non-traditional talent. Internships and apprenticeships are great ways to groom new talent from the ground up. This is a cost-effective way to address immediate needs while preparing talent for advanced roles needed in the future. When a person can grow and thrive within a company, they tend to bring a sense of loyalty, which also helps support high retention rates. And finally, again, more resources that we can offer to you folks. My colleagues here at Empower with the Command Shift Initiative have created the Diversity Directive. This is a toolkit to help increase diversity, inclusion, and belonging within your organization's hiring, retention, and investment practices. Really a wealth of information that you can start leveraging right now. So, in closing, I'd like to end off with some of the ways that the audience members can help us help you address this problem. One, reach out to us for hiring diverse certified talent. Engage with us for volunteering opportunities, either in our classes or on the executive level. And funding. We provide our training programs free of charge to our trainees. And the way that we're able to do that is through the generosity of our corporate and foundation partners. So that funding can help us to continue to provide that program free of charge to our trainees. Some of the value that we bring to the table you can see here is that diverse talent to help organizations meet those DEI goals that we were just talking about. Certified talent, all of our programs are geared towards industry recognized certifications that are in demand from employers today. Those volunteer opportunities for social responsibility initiatives, either again on, on an individual level and a classroom level or on an executive leadership level. And then we also have a wealth of thought leadership and experience in this space. And we can work with your teams to create pipelines for non-traditional diverse talent. So I'd like to end off by saying a thank you to everyone. Appreciate your time and attention. Um, I want to acknowledge our partners, Akamai, Carnival Corporation, CISA, ITSP Magazine, Juniper Networks, and Palo Alto Networks. They all help to contribute and support today's event. And so really appreciate all of their efforts and support in uh, helping make today happen. Um, and so I am done with my part and this teases up for the panel discussion. And I would like to introduce our moderator, Sean Martin from ITSP Magazine. Sean, take it away. Very good. Uh, thank you, Nelson. Thank you, Matt Velez and the rest of the NPower team for including me uh, to be part of this conversation. It's an honor 
And uh, I want to thank the panel for taking the time to prepare for this uh, and also uh, be present for today. Uh, I'm glad to see everybody here uh, for today's conversation. And most importantly, thank you, everybody who's attending, uh, either watching live or on demand. Uh, our goal today is to get people to think differently about how we view talent, approach talent, engage with talent, attract talent, manage and retain talent, and support the ecosystem in a way that uh, that makes this less troublesome and we can kind of close this gap, which seems to be a consistent uh, theme over many years. Um, so there's no question I've been following the Empower team for quite a while. I love what they're doing. Uh, they're making some great progress, uh, which we'll touch on a bit later. And I'm sure we'll hear about stories throughout the conversation today. Uh, but there's a lot we can do still. And that's what this panel is going to help uh, uncover. Things we have done, areas we can continue and improve on, improve upon. And without further ado, let's, let's actually get into it. A quick round of hellos from the panel. Uh, I'm going to start with Elizabeth, you first. Just looking for a name, title, and a quick word of why this is important to you. Well, hello, and it's a pleasure to be with everyone today. I'm Elizabeth Kolnstetter. I am the new Chief People Officer at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is part of the Department of Homeland Security here in the federal government. And this is an incredibly important uh, effort and initiative. And I think this is exciting to be here talking about this, not only to tap more diverse populations for the talent gap that was just very well articulated, but this is a national requirement. Um, the demand is growing more than the supply can handle. So we have a lot of work to do. So I think this is incredibly important. And CISA, as your government agency partner, wants to be part of making this very achievable across the nation. Thanks. Thanks, Elizabeth. Devin. So hello, hello everyone. I'm Devin Bryan. I'm currently the global CIO for Carnival Corporation, um, previous five-time CISO. Um, and I would say, Sean, why this is important for me personally as a practitioner, certainly in the defense of the organizations that have trusted me to drive their cybersecurity programs throughout my three-plus decades as a practitioner, making sure that I was bringing as diverse a skill set, as diverse a talent pool as I can um, to help to combat the diverse threats that the organizations that I've supported face was a critical part and a critical component of my go forward strategy. Um, so diversity of thought, diversity of perspectives, um, certainly getting rid of and avoiding groupthink, right? Um, by bringing diverse perspectives to the day-to-day -day trench work that as cy cyber practitioners, our organizations expect of us, right? Was key to some of the strategies that I've pursued throughout my career. So I certainly, you know, thank Empower for having me as a part of today's panel. I look forward to the conversations. Love it. Thank you, Katrina. Hi, everyone. My name is Katrina Mukan. I'm the VP of Product Security at Akamai. And uh, this is important to me for a couple of reasons. First, because I know firsthand what it's like to be the only woman in a room. Um, and I'm, you know, really personally excited about being able to change that. Uh, but also, I really believe that we need to have, you know, diverse perspectives and thoughts in security. It's an industry, things are always changing, and we need people looking at it from different directions in order to be successful. Thank you, Katrina. Kimberly. Good day, everyone. I'm Kimberly Kwan, or KQ. I head up cybersecurity culture at Juniper Networks. And everybody, um, you know, I echo all of what was said so far. And from the perspective also of being someone who is the other in a lot of the work environments in cybersecurity, I not only think it's really important to go out and source in different places because that diversity, which is effective for everyone, we need to bring that in, obviously, but also the importance of, of keeping um, that diverse workforce and making sure that when we bring people into our environments and we train them and we teach them about our companies, our environment, our technologies, um, that they want to stay and that we make sure that it's a comfortable place for them to be. 
and, and invite their friends. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, certainly, uh, last but not least, uh, the, an outcome, a product of the great work that NPower does, uh, which we'll hear about in the organizations, but uh, part of the talent pool and, and an amazing uh, student from NPower, Nicole Bersey, uh, a little bit about yourself and maybe a little extra time for you about your journey entering into the world of NPower and, and uh, your experience leading up to that point. Yes, hello everyone. Um, uh, currently at Empower alumni. A, I first started with Empower back in 2019, post-graduation and entered into Tech Fundamentals um, and earned a certification. Um, the next year later, they introduced the first National Cybersecurity Advanced Program and I took upon myself to enroll into that cohort. Um, graduated from the cohort, earned my Security Plus, um, had the opportunity to not only train hands-on cybersecurity training, but also um, further down the line, I was able to obtain a security job, which I was a information security analyst. Um, Empower is an organization that I fully support to help others to get where they need to be. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. Wonderful. Thank you, Nicole. And thanks everybody for uh, your views. I wanted to hear why it's important. I'm sure a lot of people listening uh, feel the same thing. The one point I think we'll hear throughout this whole conversation is that we're all being purposeful in our thoughts on how to uh, address this challenge. Uh, we're not just going on, a, on our day-to-day -day, uh, journey, uh, not thinking about this. Uh, we're all taking a good hard look at how we approach this. And I think coming together, this group, uh, we can represent and, and perhaps suggest some ideas that'll help folks uh, do the same in, within their organization. So as we were preparing for this, many times uh, I was asking myself, and I'm sure a lot of people on on uh, on, the, on the line here are wondering, why is this still a problem? Why are we continuing to talk about this? Why haven't we made progress? What are some of the blockers? And I and I think we, we have made progress. Um, statistics may or may not uh, prove that out, but I think having the conversations help us make progress. And I think we're seeing subtle changes and we're seeing work like being done at NPower make a difference. Um, what, and I'm gonna start with you, Elizabeth, what, what from your perspective are some of the challenges that we've experienced that we've started to overcome? Some of the roadblocks we've started to jump over, maybe an example you can share to help illustrate that. Absolutely, thank you. And I don't want to uh, miss an opportunity to also highlight that we are here in October, which is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So what a wonderful time for us all to be talking about this very, very critical um, need and topic. So I would say, I mean, of course, there are so many uh, things that, are, that I think we as a panel are gonna talk about. Um, for me, from the government, um, you mentioned the 600, over 600,000 uh, openings. Well, over 35,000 of those are in the federal government. And of course, our work is for the nation. It's for the American people. Um, so our imperative is to make sure we are an employer uh, who people want to who see a future, a career that they can actually um, contribute. We do see that people want to make a difference. They want to work for an organization that has purpose and meaning and giving their time and talent to. So I, of course, think the government has the, the highest level of purpose. And we can talk about, in my case at CISA, a national security imperative to make sure that everybody's technology is safe, their use of everything is touched by technology and enabled by technology. So what higher purpose would there be than to make sure the American people have security and safety in their daily lives and in their work lives? So um, I like to say that you know purpose is very important to talk about um, so that we can make a connection with people around what is meaningful for them. People go and they get you know, education and certifications and skills, and they want to put those to good use. So I'd say first is making a very compelling, um, you know, uh, presence around what it is the organization is doing. Um, and I do think that that does broaden the um, opportunities for diverse groups to see themselves making a difference in the organization. And the second one that we're really focused on, obviously, as the first chief people officer, um, we are we have separated the HR from the people function, people and culture. 
people want to feel that they're treated as people and that they are not just an important person to fill a job, but once the jobs fill, it's on to the next thing. So one of the things that we are striving to do through my new role at CISA is to make this workplace, the environment, the experience that people have really bring out and, and celebrate their authentic selves, their diversity of opinions and thoughts. We do a lot around psychological safety because it doesn't matter if you have diverse people, if they can't speak up their innovative ideas or their different perspectives. So it's not good enough just to fill the jobs. We have to have people experience a wonderful place to work where they can thrive as the people they are and those amazing ideas and talents they bring to us. So we go beyond recruitment and retention to bringing a workplace ex experience to life where they can thrive and feel they're making a difference to something that's really important to them and that they feel like, you know what, I'm making a difference. I'm here driving something very important. Um, and so, cause the work is hard. So it's really important that people um, make that connection with the, with the purpose of the organization. So I'd like to say it's more of an, a full employment value proposition of why come and do this work? Why come and work for this organization? Um, so that's one of the things that I think that we could do more of just as we, we look to attract the kind of talent we need to fill the, the huge gap. So I, I'd like to just kind of put that out there as, as a starting point. Thanks. Yeah, I love that. And and my uh, co-founder on the magazine, Marco Cipelli, and I have had this conversation many times around kind of the, the public service announcement for cybersecurity and and the value of it to um, the private sector, the public sector, society, and, and uh, the world at large. And the more we can raise awareness of how important and how potentially fun the job can be, I think the better off we are. Um, but I... So that's part of it is getting more people interested. Um, but then there's the next roadblock of, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I have the mindset. I don't know if I have the uh, the experience yet um, based on some of the, the uh, job requirements that I'm reading. So Devin, I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on some of those barriers, real or just in people's minds uh, of how to approach this space to see the roadblocks, move past them, jump them, work with others to, to power, power through them. Uh, and maybe, an, an, again, an illustration from you of how perhaps uh, you've done this in, in many of your roles over, you, over the years. Yeah, so um, I think most everybody listening in and certainly my fellow panelists are all painfully aware that cybersecurity as a practice still has an image problem. Right. In that, you know, you talk to the non-practitioner, right, in terms of who in their mind, um, who do they visualize when they hear cybersecurity, right? Um, and, you know, by and large, right, it, it won't be somebody who looks like me or Kimberly or Katrina or Nicole or, you know, Dr. Combsetter, right? Um, you know, so there's still this image that you know, cybersecurity is a practice that's conducted by, you know, middle age, teenage to early 20s or so, white male in a hoodie in a dark room someplace, right? So there's still that prevailing image of who a cybersecurity practitioner looks like. So we have to solve for that. And there are great programs underway across multiple organizations, um, to try to tackle that, but we still have a ways to go, right? Um, you know, certainly, you know, looking like I do, I'm very, very aware and coming from where I come from, you know, I'm very aware that kids in the inner cities, right, across our country, um, it's representation matters to them, right? Um, so, you know, the saying goes, you know, children can't be what they can't see. So it's important, you know, for current diverse practitioners, black, brown, females to be visible, right, to help to, to as, you know, Elizabeth just said, um, you know, make this practice um, fun and make it, make it appear like we're having fun doing this so that, you know, kids in middle, elementary and high school who haven't perhaps even considered 
cyber as a career, right, can see practitioners who look like them and aspire to be like them, right? So we have to solve for the image problem. I think if, you know, we're all just honest with it, I think that's a start. So I would say that is a part of the problem, um, Sean. It doesn't necessarily address all the other dimensions of some of the challenges that we currently face. I mean, we have to, at a macro level, acknowledge the fact that technology underpins so many different aspects of our professional, personal, and social lives, right? As companies and organizations are looking to leverage technologies to transform the way businesses, governments, operate in the services they deliver, right? So the technology landscape has exploded and as such, so has the associated cyber risks, right? Because bad actors are always looking for ways to exploit technologies. Um, and as such, as more innovations occur to drive um, different transformations across the business sector, um, bad actors will always find ways to try to exploit those. So that is also underscored kind of the, the vacancies that we are always trying to solve for, right? So to your question of how can we then start chipping away at addressing, you know, kind of sort of the hiring shortages, um, in addition to creating programs where we're visible at career days in our kids' schools and all that in communities, right? You know, we have to look to tap into non-traditional recruiting streams, right? How do we get access to pipeline of solid talent, folks like Nicole, right? Um, and so um, one of the practices I've always employed, right, as a practitioner, excuse me, irrespective of where I've worked, is that in addition to the traditional college hiring programs that most organizations have, um, I've, I have established um, relationships um, with Empower um, when I was at the Federal Reserve, when I was at KPMG, and I've leveraged those um, uh, pipe, those, those, those arrangements with Empower to really help me grow, um, that build diversity into my workforce, right? Um, you know, so that's something that I've done, you know, as a, as a, from a personal motivation perspective um, that I would certainly encourage fellow cyber practitioners to do. Um, I also leverage the scholarship for service program that's administered um, by, you know, OPM as well. But I, I, when I found I was getting great candidates there, but, um, you know, I wasn't getting the diversity mix that I wanted, hence the appeals of, you know, a program like Empower. Um, so those are some of the things that I would certainly, um, as a call to action to diverse practitioners, A, be visible, and certainly existing practitioners, yes, leverage your typical college recruiting and other kind of onboarding, talent onboarding programs, but also look to programs like Empower. I've found tremendous success in the Empower graduates I've been able to onboard at my previous organizations. Thanks for that, Devin. And then I think it's a natural transition. Uh, I, I wanna hear more from LaCole about, how, I mean, because there's the skill set, right? So you have to you have to know enough to get a job, um, which we can. I'm sure you'll talk about a little bit here as well. But I think there, both Elizabeth and and Devin touched on the point that you have to see an opportunity, recognize that you have the ability to pursue that opportunity, and that on the other side you'll be welcome. Uh, to uh, pursue that opportunity to be successful in it. So can you share with us a bit about how the full picture, not just, you can touch on the training, certainly how, how you prepared to, to be a cyber professional, but how you approach the whole big picture of being ready mentally, physically, and, and approaching the space and, and, and working with organizations to, to ultimately land, land a position. Yes, um, as someone who was previously in the job market and now has a fresh start to the job market, uh, some of the things that I'm able to identify and change up the way that I job search. Uh, first, let's just get into the job process in general. First, we have the recruitment standpoint. And a lot of people have a very diverse set of skill sets um, based off the job that they previously had. 
And when we're looking for jobs, we're not looking to either have that same role or we're looking to advance. Um, and I feel like that can play 50-50 on both ends because it's like, do you want to remain in the same place or do you want to move further within your career? And from a recruitment standpoint, it could also be like, okay, they already have these, these set of skill sets. Um, so what are they actually looking for? And it's more so harder for recruitment to understand why is it hard to track down these skills they have? And most recruiters that I've been able to come across don't have a technical skill set. So how can we improve the recruitment requirements for technical skill set so they're able to identify not only people like me, but people who are curious to what technology is and a new career pivot, or anyone who's already in and just looking for different opportunities that are being created. Because as technology continues to advance, there are going to be more and more jobs that be created, not from a cybersecurity standpoint, but from across the technology standpoint in general. Um, so we had the recruitment. Then we're going to the recruitment phase and then transition to interviewing. And within interviewing, you're either, and it goes back to recruiting as well, it's like, okay, how how efficient are you going to get back with me if I really want this job? And do you really want me for this job? How are you building the relationship between the recruitment and the job seeker? And how are you forwarding that interest or relationship to the people who actually want to hire people like me? And so that sets the relationship throughout their entire job process to even figuring out if the job is really going to be for you or not, or for the organization to feel like, okay, they do have these great characteristics for this role, but how would they actually fit into this role? How can they be able to adapt to this role? And it's the same for the job seeker too. Um, and within having to experience a job, some things we just don't realize about what's going on in the background too. I mean, there are so many barriers of being a security focused organization, which causes which causes leadership and or the solutions that team members have that work under these leadership to go back and forth within the structure of the organization. So how do we rebuild the structure of the organization so it could continue to progress? And how do we get our organization security focused? Which comes to the fact of that we lack effective cybersecurity awareness and training? Um, not for an employee that actually works in the cybersecurity department, but also employees who don't work in it because they all play a part to when attacks happen. Everybody is involved. So how do we continue to build our training and our awareness of within cybersecurity? And I do believe that organizations like Empower does have a very effective training model to implement into organizations who want to improve their cybersecurity. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to put this back to the panel. Um, I don't know if KQ or Katrina or, or Dr. Colmstead or Devin have some thoughts on this, uh, given what Nicole just described, um, where we might begin to make some changes. I don't know, raise your hand and I'll, I'll pick it. KQ, go for it. So we talked during our prep about um, empathy. I think it's really important and you can't always teach empathy um, we need to use empathy when we're thinking about the way the hiring is now. Um, we need to think where the diversity is. If we're all saying that we value diversity, then we need to start doing things differently. So we need to think about the standard processes that have been the status quo for the past umpteenth years and, and bring empathy in to understand where are those candidates that we're looking for? You know, we can't we can't have the same, you know, Caucasian guy, hacker type, you know, kind of creating the workflow that we're going to use to go, you know, bring in our diverse uh, diverse colleagues. So we need to obviously source from from different different uh, populations to cast our net wider, but we also think, need to think about the processes. You know, what are we looking for in, um, in resumes? Where are we getting them? How are we writing them? How are we writing the job descriptions? Um, so really we need to break down what we've been doing and, um, and, and think about the end goal as opposed to just doing the same thing and thrashing about expecting a different result. Um, as Nicole was talking, I was thinking about 
a friend of mine and he worked for a tech company for, for many years and um, was surprisingly cut. And his background is similar to mine with electronic discovery, information governance and forensics. And um, I, I helped him along to teach him about cyber. And I thought that there were good forays into cyber for him. And I told him about organizations and certifications and things like that. But if it wasn't for me having a relationship with him, um, and that's where a lot of people get their information, then where are they going to get that, that leg up, that help? And so organizations like Empower really help bridge the gap. Yeah. Katrina, your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I agree uh, completely. And I think, you know, changing the the process is really important when um, in the past, and I realized, you know, we weren't getting what we needed out of traditional recruiting and looking for experienced hires. And we had to make changes. A lot of the work we had to do was internal. We had to rewrite our job description. So they targeted um, uh, employee uh, people with different set of skill sets, right? We're no longer looking for people with 15 years experience. We're looking for people who are smart, have problem solving and are curious. And I think the hardest part of that was getting our recruiters and the other interview panelists on board and really changing the expectations of, of what we're trying to get out of that process and, and making it friendly so that the people coming through it, you know, have the opportunities and are successful and aren't being compared to, um, you know, this level and, you know, these expectations that we rally is we don't need them to meet. Like, it's not what we're looking for now. Um, Dr. Colmster, can I call on you? I know you've you've uh, made some specific changes uh, within uh, OPM to actually address some of this, right? Well, yeah, actually, um, the uh, Department of Homeland Security was given a special authority uh, within the federal government um, to launch a talent program called the Cybersecurity Talent Management System. And this was a unique authority that uh, we have now across our Homeland Security Department, and it has new hiring processes to move away from the, the uh, academic uh, qualifications to an assessment that assesses the necessary skills and proficiencies to some of the points that were made earlier. Also has new compensation structures. One of the things the federal government has is a pretty rigid um, pay scale. Uh, and it doesn't compete with the market. Um, and so this unique authority allows us to compete and bring more labor-related um, pay incentives to those with uh, cybersecurity um, skills experiences. And then career development, there is an incentive to continuously get more um, skills and higher proficiencies, um, some in some cases certifications, but that continuous learning, because we know the technology advances are actually exponentially, uh, you know, increasing. And so we want to have an incentive to continue to grow your skills and then get compensated as well. And that is a pretty unique kind of talent system for the government. So CISA is using that and we've been hiring um, some of our workforce under that. And I think that's a very exciting new approach um, that we are benefiting from. I'd also like to piggyback on, I think, what both actually Lacole and Katrina and KQ said, yes, the technical skills are important, but at, when you're talking about the early career, we have to also look for, and I don't like the term soft skills. I'll get on my soapbox. We got to stop calling them soft skills. They are power skills. They are actually the things that help people advance and actually really bring that innovation, problem solving. Nicole, Nicole said collaboration and curiosity. We need people who want to work with other people, especially at CISO. Our work is partnerships with private sector, with academia, with the grants such as what NPower got. We are constantly looking that. So there, yes, there's technical skills, but especially for early career, we want to see a diversity of skills and the kinds of you know, things that people want to continuously learn, they're, they're, they're flexible, they're interested. And that's what's really bringing us the kind of, you know, new employees to come in and be part of our organizations. And I think that's something we sometimes, again, I think what Devin was saying, they think cybersecurity, oh, you have to be good at math and you have to be good at statistics, you have to be good at computers or computer science. And there's so much more. And, um, and there's just so much more availability that I think changing some of that dialogue too is you don't have to be a computer geek to be great at cybersecurity. We actually want some of these other kinds of 
power skills in our employees. So Devin, uh, we've touched a little bit on, I'll call it the the, the hiring ecosystem, <laughs> all, all the pieces, parts that we, we might get one part really fine tuned, but we only get 10% of the value of it because the rest of the, the parts don't really connect with it well. How do you suggest we, we kind of get a big picture view of what needs to change here so that each player and maybe some players have to move aside for some situations and and, and become more prevalent and, and present in others. But how do we work through the ecosystem to make wholesale significant change, uh, not just piecemeal change? So it's a difficult question to respond to. Sean, because it is a very difficult problem, especially in the private sector, right? So unlike, um, you know, what Elizabeth just mentioned, the special authority that was granted to CISA for the cybersecurity talent management system, that does not exist in the private sector, right? So what does that translate to? That translates to individual cybersecurity executives at all levels of the hiring process, Right making a personal commitment, right, to have conversations with their HR leaders, their recruiters, right, you know, restructuring JDs, being intentional about interviewing panels, taking a hard look at, you know, do these positions really require college degrees, right? Can we switch and evolve to competency-based hiring that CIS obviously is leading the way with right now, right? And you put that in the context of, you know, the day-to-day of what CISOs are charged with, right? Right, you know, first and foremost, they've got to protect, detect, respond, right? They're managing budgets, they're leading teams, right? Um, but it this would have to be an important enough imperative, right? They have to care enough. And that's the thing, right? You know, as Mahatma Gandhi says, be the change, right? That you want to see, right? So CISOs would have to own this and put personal stake and personal skin in the game to help to drive the change in the industry that they want to see by starting with their organizations first. And there are a number of folks who are very committed to this across the industry who are doing great work um, to try to move the needle in their respective parts and getting involved in groups like Empower. Um, I have some colleagues on the ATCC. Um, uh, John Miller at City hires like 20 plus Empower graduates each year. He's my hero. That's you know that's who I aspire to be someday in order to, be, to have a program like that to onboard as many graduates, right? And and others, right? Um, and certainly getting involved with uh, groups like Cyversity that I was lucky enough to help co-found women in cybersecurity, um, the Grace Hopper, on and on and on. It takes a personal commitment by folks who are really passionate about making sure that they are bringing, you know, as diverse a, a skill set as they possibly can um, to the challenges that, uh, that they face from a diverse cyber threat landscape, right, um, and put, put in skin the game. So, Sean, it's something that's not easily tackled. That's why the problem has continued to linger because it requires a personal commitment from CISOs and folks in positions to influence hiring to have that conversations, make the time, have the conversations with their talent management team, have their conversations with their head, head of HR to drive the organizational change and then incrementally the industry change that's necessary to help to address this. Yeah, and I, I think being uh, being a storyteller for me having a view of the end goal, writing a story to reach that end goal and telling that story to everybody who's involved or has a role to play in that story so that we all kind of march toward the same thing would be super helpful. In my opinion, I think when we were prepping, we talked about uh, the, the idea of the cybersecurity practitioner being a hero. And uh, I, I referenced my my time in in building technology, building products, there's always this hero mentality that you have to work harder and stronger and be better than everybody else. And it's kind of rooted in in the the warfare mindset that uh, cyber has in general. Uh, But I'm wondering, and I'm going to put this to you, Katrina, for your thoughts on this. Do we 
do we have perhaps an issue with the role or sort of the people themselves having this hero complex or wanting being we're, we're magicians, right? Cybersecurity professionals are magicians. We do things, we know things that others can't and don't. And because of that, we're special and we deserve a spot. And But I'm wondering if that plays a role in allowing others to come in. Um, and I'm thinking of the hiring team and I'm thinking of the hiring manager and how they communicate and how they uh, present the team to the candidate and the candidate to the team to, I don't know, if we, are we continuing to set barriers there that, that can be removed and perhaps things get better. Katrina. Yeah. Um, you know, I see in my experience, I've definitely seen that dynamic. And I think it is traditionally when you think about security people and like they're sitting in the dark in their hoodies and, you know, solving all the problems and super special skill sets. But, you know, I really think what I see a lot more in the organizations I'm in is collaboration and everyone knows, you know, security isn't anyone's job, one person's job. And, you know, in my field in product security, we work really closely with developers and architects and we can't do it alone, right? They're the one building the products. We have to work with them. And so I see more and more emphasis on that in it. Um, you know, how can we collaborate and partner with groups and, provide people, um, you know, projects with the tools they need to be successful and really, you know, gets away from that idea that, you know, nothing that I do or my team does, does is like rocket science. Anyone can do it if, if that, if they want to, right. We, you can learn the skills and be curious. It's really about, you know, wonder, wanting to know how things work, questioning how they work and, you know, do they really work the way you say they do and are they doing what they're supposed to do and wanting to make things better uh, and fix things. And so I've definitely, I think even just since I've started out seeing a shift from that and that like what we're doing is some sort of like, you know, um, magic, black magic kind of thing to being um, something that's that's much more collaborative and and something that, you know, we have to do in partnership with the rest of our organization. And KQ, I've, I've been waiting to get to this point on uh, employee resource groups and the, the value they bring within the organization, the learning we can we can uh, glean from them to help with hiring and, and certainly retaining. So tell us a bit about the work that you've done uh, at Juniper on, in this regard. Yeah, so Hillary Weingast, who, uh, you know, was very instrumental in um, this partnership between Juniper and NPower, heads up um, corporate responsibility and, um, you know, diversity and inclusion. And in the amount of time that I've been here at Juniper, which is five years, um, it's really changed from being an environment where sometimes some diverse people came in and felt like they were other. Um, and, you know, everyone had good intentions, but no one wants to feel like the kind of token employee. Um, but what, what Juniper has done is built these really strong um, employee affinity groups. And uh, when we were talking during the prep, um, it, it seems like it's pretty groundbreaking that there's a neurodiversity um, community as well here. Um, but it, it's just really making sure that that people feel welcome and that they're um, they they are celebrated. And these events that are put on have been um, for all the affinity groups. Uh, the the participation is just it, it's it's impressive, and the amount of interest uh, employees have learning about their colleagues. So I I think that that. Efforts like that go um, very far to welcoming um, those of us who may look different from our colleagues or come from different backgrounds. And there, there's uh, a real effort here. It's uh, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Perfect. I want to, in, in the few minutes we have remaining, kind of look at this from the perspective of, we, we have a, a talent pool, we'll call it a lake that we're fishing from. And if we don't restock the lake, right? And if we don't uh, keep the lake healthy, so the fish survive and thrive and, and, and produce whatever it is we're fishing from them, uh, from the lake, then we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot here. So I want to talk about investing in 
the talent pool in the lakes that we want to fish from, investing in the people that we want uh, to hire as employees and to be part of our organizations. Um, so let's talk about hiring internships and uh, and and reinvesting back into the community that that we want to uh, want to have successful. So Devin, I'm gonna I'm gonna start or KQ. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, internships are really, they're, they're incredible because, you know, what I was saying before about um, bringing people in and training them and making them part of the family um, and you really want them to stay and you, you hopefully, um, you know, you, you both want to retain that relationship. So we are um, bringing in interns from Empower um, even before this partnership, we we did some some interns. I I have one from high school actually, for a program that we're doing that's community based. And there there are youngsters who are coming in as freshmen who are actually learning about cybersecurity and other areas in Juniper as well. But we we actually have someone who's a junior now who is deciding that she's going to go into cybersecurity, and so. Um, I know we all have different um, things we want to say, so I'll I'll end there. But I I just feel so strongly about these internships. I think we all do, but Katrina, I think you you as well have, have programs, right? Yeah, um, I know at Akamai we have a couple Empower interns. I've worked with Empower interns in the past, and it's been a really great experience. Um, you know, and again, it's just going back to finding those people that are you know, they're interested and they're curious and they want to learn and contribute. And that's really, you know, it's like 90% of, I think, what we need in, in security now, right? Get started. So um, that's been really great. And, you know, Akamai too has other programs to training programs and whatnot to give people access to technical skills who didn't come from a traditional background. And it's really important in, in building up the diverse workforce. Homesteader, your hand. Yeah, I just want to jump in. Um, so, of course, uh, across the government, we have internships um, all semesters and over the summer. CISA has them posted at CISA.gov slash careers. And I agree. We also have high school and, you know, college, but you don't have to be in college to get an internship. So um, even high school. Uh, and I also want to highlight, we implemented a program where we're doing exit interviews with every intern as they leave to find out what they benefited from and what they are looking for in a future employer so that we can also help them, again, stay in this career field. Even if you don't wanna to come to CISA or you don't wanna to come to the government, we want them to be creating this capability for the nation. So what are you looking for? How can we help build your network, introduce you to some of the partners in industry and so forth. So I think it's really important that interns, while they could be a pipeline for employment, are also a pipeline for us building this capacity we're talking about. So another great opportunity to hear from them about their experience and what they're looking for next and help them stay in this career field, which is part of what we're talking about. Um, how do we keep them, retain them, giving into this, this important career field. So that was just something we implemented and it's gone very well. We've learned a lot and we're really excited when they say they'd, they'd love to come and work at CIS in the future, but we're not expecting them all to, to, to choose that, that path. There are many paths. Um, I'm going to hold Nicole's final message uh, to the end. So Devin, I'm going to come to you uh, with some of the stuff you've done with Empower and beyond and uh, maybe any, any final thoughts as well from you on this topic. Yeah, I was just um, quickly, um, you know, plus one on, you know, all the great comments that uh, my fellow panelists have just, you know, rattled off in terms of uh, internships. I would add um, just a couple of additional points. Um, you know, certainly converting interns to FTEs is critical, right? Um, and, and I think Elizabeth just touched on this, irrespective of whether or not those conversions happen within your organization or elsewhere across the industry, the industry benefits, right? So, so that certainly is a plus. And in addition to internships, apprenticeships, those are also critical as well because those kind of provide direct pathways from, you know, intern to FTE, right? So apprenticeship programs are critical and also military transitioning programs, right? I've been lucky enough to actually sponsor one of the first um, real onboarding programs, transition programs 
for military veterans um, since I've been at Carnival and I'll continue to support that. Um, but yeah, internships are certainly critical. Staying with apprenticeships and military transitioning programs, helping um, our warriors who essentially place their lives on the front lines for our country, make that transition to cyber warrior is something that I'm deeply passionate about as a veteran myself. And so I'll certainly continue to look for ways to invest in that as well. That's fantastic. And I'll, I'll add to this point, Devin, that because uh, Dr. Combs at Stetter mentioned that we're in cybersecurity awareness month and you pointed to the, uh, the, the veterans here that this can't just be on veterans day and for cybersecurity awareness month, right? We have, we have to find a way to live and breathe this on a daily basis and uh, spread, spread the love, if you will, with everyone that we know and, and interact with within and without and outside of the, the organization or the industry, I should say. Um, as we wrap here, I'm going to hand it back to Nelson in a moment, but I think I, I captured a few highlights. And so I think for me, and I kind of pointed to this earlier, if we can, we can be innovative in our thinking to actually see what we want to achieve and then can tell a story and, and find the path to achieve it, we're going to have a much better chance of success for actually reaching that end game. And it's not going to, as we've talked talked about today, it's not just going to be one individual or one group or one entity or one company or one program. It's going to be an ecosystem, including recruiters and, and down into the high school range where we're raising awareness and, and perhaps bringing skills and training in, in, at that level. Um, and focus on the candidates. Um, we have to make them successful. And with that, I'm going to give Nicole the final word as we close here. Uh, your thoughts on success thus far for you and what success looks like moving forward. Um, thanks to NPower, I would say, right? Um, definitely is a big part of my growth for sure. Um, I can honestly say I'm looking forward to not only never any success, but looking forward to who I am, what I am and where I'm going and how can I use that to get others where they need to be. Um, and I'm looking forward to changing that narrative for everyone so we can have a better workplace, so we can enjoy our jobs, so we can really enjoy doing what we do every single day. Um, and that's a part of the process and trusting the process. So I thank you guys for not only delivering a message today, but for Empower, for providing opportunities such as this to help people as well. And thank you to everyone who's just chimed in today. I took the time of day to chime in and learn more about how can we further more say this cybersecurity gap. You're an inspiration, Nicole, to me, I'm sure to many others. So hopefully uh, let's get, this gets everybody up and down the, the hiring stack uh, inspired to make changes. And uh, with that, Nelson, um, I'll hand it back to you. And as I do that, I want to thank this panel for a fantastic conversation. Hopefully those listening uh, took a few nuggets that they can take with them and uh, most importantly, think differently about how they approach hiring so we can we can uh, close this gap. Nelson. Thanks, Sean. And, and thank you to Devin and Dr. Colmstetter, Katrina, Nicole, uh, Kimberly, all for taking time out of your extremely busy schedules and, and um, sharing in this discussion today. So, um, Again, thank you to the audience for attending today's event. I hope, as, as Sean just said, I hope you found some useful uh, nuggets and action items that you can take back to your organizations to start making some of the changes that we discussed today and help address this cyber talent gap. As we come to a close, I would ask that you keep your windows open. Uh, there is a brief survey that we would love to get your feedback on on today's event and how we can uh, continue to uh, plan more events like this in the future and make them even better. So again, thank you all for attending and we uh, look forward to seeing you again in the future. Thanks all. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, 
sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.